0: This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from inside of a block of ice, it's Doctor Who, Podshock. The Gallifern Embassy presents Dr. Who Podchock, episode 291. This is Louis Trapani, and joining me on this thrilling episode of Dr. Who Podchock is uh, across the great pond that we call the Atlantic Ocean. is Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper. Hello, Dave. Permission to come aboard, sir. <laughs> uh, permission granted, or I should say, aye aye. No, well, actually, um, uh, <laughs> I feel like I need one of those little whistles. You know that, that they welcome aboard people on ships. So, um, so good to have you, um, Dave, back here. Um, Happy New Year to you.
1: Fine, thank you very much. And to yourself, I hope it's going to be a very, very good year indeed for you after you, all your ordeals of the past. I was going to say twelve months, which probably nearer to fifteen months now. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's um, the end of October was was twelve months, so it's yeah, twelve and change now. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to. Well, I'm going to get more into that in a second. But first, before further ado, let me uh, welcome also joining us on this thrilling episode is Mr. Terrasnatician. Hello, Terras.
2: Hello, I am not rigged for silent running this week. Oh.
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, as as long as you're not silent on the show, because then um, it, it's kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of defeats the <our> audio podcast. <laughs> we're, we're doing we're doing the show silent, but we have subtitles so you can um, just kind of read along. Now, and I shouldn't make a mention that Trask is uh, here on, on the east coast of uh, the U.S., uh, not too far from me. A stone's throw uh, if you have a very strong arm. So, um, uh, glad to have you back and happy new year to you as well.
2: Well, happy new year to you too. Well, thank you. And uh, it's great to be back.
0: Well, um, uh, I, <laughs> and I, I hope I, I was going to say something about your back, but maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> I'm glad you're back. <laughs> I'll just leave it like that.
2: I'm glad to be back as well.
0: Okay. So, uh last I, I should apologize maybe to our listeners we didn 't do a show last week uh, I was having we, we were, i 'm telling you that just when you think you 're sort of done with with the majority of the recovery of sandy and i 'm still unpacking and all that, but we had electrical problems, and we 've had problems. We had a massive lecture. We had a lot of issues that, that presented themselves during the restoration and the reconstruction and all that that had to be addressed before we can go any further. So it's probably without exaggeration that maybe more than fifty percent of the electrical work um, in the house now has is all new. So it made it even more frustrating that even after all that was done, that we were still having electrical issues, and um, and I may had made a mention it in our show last on uh, a last show on a live show, but it might have been before we started recording. I don't recall, but anyway, so. That was part of the reason why um, I needed to get that addressed because um, it's obviously it's kind of hard to do a a, a podcast with um, when, when you can't, don't have reliable electricity. So uh, but uh, it was a problem on the electrical line after two electricians and several hundred dollars trying to get the problem resolved, uh, it turned out that it's, it's actually, uh, the electric company that had to do it. And then it took them a week because we had a blizzard here and then there was new years and everything. And, um, anyway, long story short was that, uh, we, it was originally promised four hours. Then it, then it was in 24 hours. Then it turned out to be a, a week before they actually came and, um, took care of the problem. But, um, I'm hoping that it's all done now. And so far, um, things have been operating normally. So, all is well again here
2: fingers crossed,
0: yeah, Indeed. yeah, it's just um you know <laughs> it's just it's it's very frustrating it's just you know just because you're you're concentrating on moving forward, getting everything getting all this behind you, and then something like this comes you know it's out of your control and you and you're relying on other you know, services to come and and do their job. And another issue is um, the uh, here, um, for those that don't know, I'm situated on Long Island. uh, The power company has changed. It was Liper. Now it's P-S-E-G or something like that. They change companies. And this transition was taking place around the new year as well. So so that just added to um, probably the delay and everything.
1: All right. Well, at least one thing, Lewis, where, when we start talking about the, the main topic of today's show, you were obviously in the right mindset, you know, in a basement <laughs> with electricity and water all mixing together. <laughs> all you needed was somebody like Clara to help you out. You'd well, it's, of... it,
0: it's, it's true. You know, at, at one point, you know, you, you we're running on battery power only.
2: <laughs> you need to put on the red lights.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, Actually, I went through a a, a UPS system on my computer, an uninterruptible power supply system. Uh, uh, I was only about a year old because I had to replace it after Sandy. And the wear wear and tear on it must have wore out the battery and so I got a new one and um, it, this is a little bit more... Um, it's it's more advanced. It has like an LCD panel, so it kind of tells you the events at anytime there's an electrical event. And within like two weeks of having it, it registered... It counted 255 events. It could have been more because someone brought it to my attention that the um, there's like... Um, that could have been the... Um, the cap, you know, might have storage it, capacity. Yeah, uh, it might have done. It might have registered 255 and then stopped counting after that. So I'm not sure, but there was at least 255 electrical events within a two week period. And now, since um, we had that fix there's only there's been two we had one which was a um the it was I had no fault of my own with the, the power went out. it's funny i hit a light switch and the power went out for a second it's it's a very weird feeling uh but it was it wasn't a house it wasn't low it was you know what that switch does yes now i know what that switch does <laughs> But it wasn't, oh, oh, it wasn't localized.
1: It's the, the big house. red button.
0: It wasn't localized to the house. It was, it, 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 I, I looked outside and I could tell it was the, the surrounding neighborhoods because the street lights, when they go out, it takes a while for them to warm back up so they weren't back in their full brightness yet. So I knew it affected the street, not just the house. Um, and the other time was I had put a, a vacuum cleaner on, it must have been on the same circuit breaker, and it, um, it didn't, I mean, it just registered as an event. It probably was like a little blip. But anyway, so I know not to use. It wasn't on the same outlet, but it was on the same circuit. I won't use that outlet again. Anyway, that's not why all our listeners are here to talk. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're we're gonna um, as that that clip that you just heard before. We're gonna be reviewing um, the the 2013 episode. Cold War, which um, we, we didn't get to review because that was during the, the, the Pachox hiatus while I was uh, recovering from Sandy. So uh, so we're, we're reviewing that today. But I guess before we go uh, to do the review, we, there's some Doctor Who news that we should kind of cover. To start that off, I'll, we'll do the obligatory. <laughs> All right. Well, you uh,
2: still have a typewriter?
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never know when you're going to lose power. <laughs> you got <laughs> So uh so yeah, Shooting has been well first of all, um happy new year to all our listeners. It's it's 2014 today. So, uh the new series has um begun shooting with Peter Capaldi as the doctor and um you can actually this I I will need to um kind of find the, the there was an a um a YouTube video that had some footage of him and, well, I don't know if... I don't really consider the spoilers, but... Well, I don't consider it a spoiler, but if you want to close your ears just for a, a half a second... Well, not a half a second, but a few seconds. He was riding, he was riding a, a horse. Well, it wasn't a real horse, but they were shooting him, you know, in the back of a truck doing, a, like, a close-up of him. And um, wearing. he was, had a white shirt on, and I think it takes place in Victorian times, so... Um, but at the, I don't know what episode Are you that sure is. Sure,
1: that wasn't the Musketeers. Are you sure that wasn't the Musketeers, Louis? You no,
0: know, he didn't. Ha- he didn't have his goatee or anything like that. <laughs>
2: D- did we talk about who's writing for this series at all?
0: No, we haven't. I had mentioned, you know, I didn't mention names. I had mentioned that, like, the format of the series, and I and but I haven't mentioned the names. Well, it handy? was just
2: recently announced that Phil Ford and uh, uh, yes. Gareth Roberts were going to be writing, and I think they joined Neil Cross and I forget who else was listed there in the list of writers. Mm-hmm. But those are the ones that I remember
1: offhand. I can't add to that.
0: Well, it's been a while since since like Phil Ford had because he was doing a lot during like the Russell T. Era, Russell T. Davies era, um, especially like towards the end. Oh, yeah, there's just, also
2: going to be Mark Gatiss
1: uh, joining. That's the, right. Yeah, very timely. Roberts is, yeah, Gareth Roberts is the fourth writer confirmed joining Stephen Moffat, Mark Gatiss, and Neil Cross,
2: and uh, Phil Ford was recently added to that list. I believe right. he's writing the second episode.
0: It was um, somewhere Stephen Moffat had stated that uh, that the next series following this, following the 2014 series, the next year, 2015, that would be in a similar format that we're seeing for this year. In other words, it will be, there won't be a split series. And um, so, I'm, and I'm guessing there'll be probably the same amount of, of um, episodes planned, though. I, you know, I don't think that's a BBC confirmation. I think that was, um, he might have maybe said that in Doctor Who magazine, or I'm not sure where where that Uh, I
2: suspect that uh, we had those split series so that they could stretch out the budget to be able to afford Mm -hmm. what we had for the anniversary and the uh, the Christmas specials so that they could be uh, a bit higher quality than what we would have been seeing if we did not have that additional time to.
0: Yeah, I, I had suspected
2: that as well. So, that, that's
1: my speculation, that's not based Yeah, the I, well, uh, same here, It's just speculation. Uh, and apparently Stephen Moffat has said that not only will season eight, but season nine will be a, you know, a continuous run, although that doesn't... It, it's not clear whether the actual series nine has been green-lighted or not. But basically, he was saying going forward, they're, they're going to that. Now, that may be to accommodate... Um, um, his uh, Peter Capaldi's other role, because they've already had to make changes to the scheduling of that due to his getting uh, the, the job as the Twelfth Doctor, and I'm calling him the Twelfth. I'm not messing about with that.
0: Yeah, same here. I'm I'm I, I I'm calling him the Twelfth Doctor as well. Yeah, I'm
2: calling him the first new Doctor.
0: <laughs> the first of the new cycle, <laughs> <laughs> reboot one.
1: <laughs>
2: Or the current doctor? How's the current that?
1: doctor, yes. That, even better.
2: Well, I, I mean, so St- Stephen Moffat. That uh, that uh, segued uh, pretty well to the next story. What you had mentioned.
1: Indeed, yes. Um, the um, the Peter Capaldi, uh, as people may know, because um, he was uh, and and Lewis l- talked about it with the the goatee beard. Of course, uh, uh, he is uh, playing Cardinal Richelieu in a a, a production that starts on BBC One this coming Sunday, the 19th. It's a 10-week run, and it's called The Musketeers, but it's the three Musketeers, of course, the uh, Alexander Dumas-based story. There's already mooted the fact that there will possibly be a second series, but um, this actual Musketeers should have actually... It's been in development since 2012. Should have actually hit the screens uh, 2013, late 2013... Uh, But of course, now, as we we know, the Doctor Who's not coming back until August, so we've at least got 10 weeks of the current run from, as I say, uh, mid-January. It takes us through uh, most of the spring. In other words, if we were going to have a a split season, that would help. Uh, And the other Doctor Who connection is that um, uh, Murray Gold is the composer on this Mm -hmm. series, so... That uh, seems great. So, yeah, uh, I'm not too sure about the actual airtime of the first one. Uh, I'm not too sure whether it's um, 9 or 10 o'clock. But, they, as I say, there will be 10, and they're 60 minutes in length. And hopefully it should also make it to BBC America.
0: Well, speaking of BBC America, on the 19th, if memory serves correctly, I believe that's when Sh- the new series of Sherlock starts on uh, BBC America, even though it has already been on BBC one in the uk
2: is it bbc america or is it uh pbs
0: oh you're right pbs yes thank you for the correction yes you're i i stand or in this case sit corrected yes pbs i'm sorry
1: elementary <laughs> elementary a mistake. Different network no, an elementary mistake <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm so used to
0: things uh as of recent times you know of course long time doctor who fans will know that um P- PBS used to be the, the the first place that BBC programming went but now with BBC America um especially now with Doctor Who it's it goes there now so um yeah BB uh, it's it's P- PBS in the US so check your local uh PBS station on on showtimes but i think most of them kind of i think do it on sunday or if not monday or something i don't know check your listings
1: I think PBS
2: tends to show the more uh, historical or educational series, because that's kind of what their audience is geared toward, while BBC America will have the action-adventure type stuff, Mm -hmm. or things like Top Gear, which is more geared toward a wider audience. Yeah,
0: yeah let's see what else is in the news um national tv awards 22nd of january yes uh,
1: the actual votes can be cast by the public in the, the uk until midday actually on the same day itself wednesday the 22nd of january uh, 13 categories and these awards will take place at the l2 in london later that same day and uh, there's some doctor who connections Uh, In terms of uh, the people nominated, though not necessarily Doctor Who. Uh, For instance, uh, we've got uh, Broadchurch alongside Nabby and Call the Midwife. Uh, uh, But um, Broadchurch, we've got um, in the TV Detectives, uh, David Tennant is, is nominated alongside Olivia Coleman. In that, of course, we saw Olivia Coleman in that five. East doctors in that little opening scene <laughs> where she was with with Sean Beresley. Yeah, in the beginning. I, I'm not in it, and I'm in everything. I love that little which, scene. Which, which she was uh, um,
0: in the eleventh hour. She was in the. Um, she played the the mother,
1: right? Yeah. Right, and uh, and up against uh, also is um, Ann Jones, a facial. Uh, Bailey from Scott and Bailey uh, Bradley Walsh uh, Sergeant Ronnie Brooks from Law and Order UK and also against Benedict Cumberbatch uh, Sherlock Holmes there's another segue and Edris Elba Chief Inspector John Luther. Luther I must admit I'd love uh, Edris Elba to win because I, uh, although uh, much as I admire all the other people on that list um, well they're all deserving of it really but um I do know that last, I think it was last year, Edris Salber missed out. Of course, he's um, he's just been starring as a biopic as um, uh, the South African um, oh, uh, Nelson Mandela, um, who sadly just passed away. Uh, and of course, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, he's also got a big screen appearance with uh, Twelve Years a Slave um, as well. But anyway, they're both nominated in the TV detectives. Uh, section and um, uh, also in a documentary um, called Penguins Spy in the Huddle that was narrated by David Tennant, so he's got a small part to play in that. So there are a couple of dot two connections for the television, National Television Awards 2014 shortlist. Uh, Matt Smith by the way as the Doctor is nominated in drama performance Uh, one thing uh, to just mention is in the actors um, this year they've combined male and female actors into a combined drama performance and so although Jenna Louise Coleman get that Louise in there David (laughs) Um, was included in the long list she failed to the short list because um, there's not a separate list for men and a separate list for women and uh, another Doctor Who related uh, actor Martin Clunes Uh, Mm -hmm. is it Snake Dance? Yes Um, he's he's up for Doc Martin there are other actors as well but um, that's the National Television Awards Wednesday the 22nd of January we're in the awards season, of course, we've just had the Golden Globes. And I think uh, it's not too long before the actual, I think it's this Thursday, in fact, I know this is getting off dot too, but I think it's this Thursday that the actual Oscar nominees will be announced. It sounds about right.
0: It's usually around this time and then the, the, the ceremony is usually at either the end of February or somewhere beginning of, or middle of March. But you're right. It's, it's it's the season. It's the season for for handing out gold glittery things. <laughs> so um, I, I would like award. a gold glittery thing. There, there, there are podcast awards. I, I don't really um, participate in them, but there. If um, I, whatever, you know. Whatever. <laughs> you know yeah, the, the trouble yeah, with I those remember, is that I um, for I mean. I, I it doesn't seem too much the case now unless I, I mean I'm just not listening to the shows that do it, but at one point that it used to become a beg fest because you know, where a show will be nominated and then each show they would beg their listeners to go vote for them and you know, and it just becomes I don't know, I, I just rather not get be in that situation where we have to, you know, constantly ask people to to vote for us.
2: Please vote for us by listening to us.
0: Yeah, I mean that's. I mean to me, that's the best reward. Is I, and I have to say that I'm very humbled by um, you know the, the numbers that were you know as far as the download numbers after we've come back that they're still strong and you know because I you know naturally after um, being away for so long I, I just. I had had, um, thought otherwise, you know, that that pretty much everyone's probably moved on. And so I'm very pleased to say that that our our numbers are pretty good. And, um, you know, so I'm I'm very humbled and pleased. And I I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I I do thank everyone for the listening and the continuance of of listening and and staying on board.
2: Well, I'll move the needle to the next track. Sure. And uh, the 50th anniversary episode was the most accessed program on the iPlayer for all of 2013. Over 3.2 million people had accessed it at some point. And it had uh, about 0.3 million more requests than the second place program, which was episode one of Bad Education. Hmm. And uh, all 10 episodes of Doctor Who that premiered in uh twenty thirteen made the top fifty,
1: yeah, with many of them getting around the two million one point right. eight million mark yeah fantastic
0: so that's
2: uh, i think news.
1: O- overall i think uh Taris, it goes on to say um um uh, the two thousand and thirteen episodes overall were requested nineteen million times right. uh, as an aggregate.
0: Well, I think that and and Time the Doctor—not Time, yeah, Time—were very um, high-rated on BBC and BBC America. Going back in time to 1967, the Patrick Troughton serial The Moonbase, which I believe is—if it's not out yet, it's coming soon on DVD, uh, like um, within—like very shortly. Is that right? I believe it's
2: coming soon in the UK. I don't know when the North American release ah,
1: Yeah, 20th of January on Region 2. And, oh, it says 22nd January Region 4. Of course, Region 4 is Australia and New Zealand. Oh, and February the 11th uh, for Region 1 in the USA and Canada. I think
2: the last time I was on, we were discussing the trailer that Mm -hmm. we had seen, and that, I believe, was the trailer from the coming soon of the... uh, of a previous dvd release so uh we've got on uh doctor who tv now on uh an exclusive clip from uh the animated uh episode for the uh restored dvd
0: yeah so and that's you can see that on youtube what we'll do is um you know by the time this episode goes out i'll have that embedded on our site because it's kind of hard to Give a YouTube address that has a bunch of low, upper and lowercase numbers and uh, letters and numbers. But if um, we'll, I'll try to embed that on our site. Um, or if you go to doc, doc t, doc .tv you probably see it there. But um, we'll try to embed That's it. That's how our I site found too. it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, for For this story, it's episodes one and three that have been animated using the original soundtrack, of course.
2: And the clip is from the third episode and i had just recently watched this episode the the this story with the the episodes from a reconstruction i was a bit too uh quick with my uh marathon to get the uh dvd uh so, so. i may have to revisit this
0: <laughs> i i meant to ask you that in in our intro section so you're um before we started recording, you had mentioned you're up to the Silurians now, so you're making good progress.
2: Doctor Who and the Silurians, yes. Yes, that, uh, I'm about twenty days ahead of my schedule, so I'm pretty happy about that.
0: That's fantastic. So it gives you some, you know, leeway in case you're, you know, for some reason you're held up or you need some, some, um, you know, whatever. If you can't get to an episode here or there, you've got some cushion there. Which yes. is a good segue. Segue. Speaking of, of cushioning.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was well played. Funny
1: <laughs> oh, guy.
0: So I, I believe um, you had spoken to us originally about this, Terrassa. I'll let you talk about this—that um, about the Peter Cushing connection to the anniversary special.
2: Yeah, apparently Stephen Moffat wanted to include the posters from the Peter Cushing movies in uh, the archive. But they couldn't afford the uh, rights to use those images.
0: So in a sense, it would canonize the movies and it, making them movies in the Doctor Who universe, you know, so that that they had made these movies about this character named Doctor Who, but obviously not the either that
2: one. or maybe it was a uh, a different dimension. It could have been any number of things.
1: Interesting seems amazing that it was too dear. I mean I mean what what sort of money would they be asking just to have two posters? It seems you would think that they, they would be glad of the because it basically it's an advert and people might go out and buy the DVDs thinking, oh it's canon now I will watch it. Yeah, it's um I think it, people should
2: watch the movies anyway. They're an interesting take on the uh the two stories that they are based on yeah.
0: Uh, for those that may not be familiar with, because I know there are a lot of new, you know, s- fans of the new series listening. These these are retelling of of William Hartnell stories, which but they changed a great deal for for the for the theater as far as um, you know the the premise goes. You know, it's um, it's it's not a time lord. It's it's an Earth person who's. Last name is actually who and um who had built a time machine that doesn't really explain why it looks like a police box but um <laughs> but anyway well, it,
2: it's, to be fair we didn't know that the doctor was a time lord no, much but, later but well that's true but but he was from
0: a he, he was from another um another you know from another time and um you know, you know we knew that he was um you know from another world as well. Uh, I was just re- recently um, watching the Censorites where uh, Susan describes Gall- well, d- d- not by name, that she doesn't name Gallifrey, but th- describes her home world with yes. silver leaves and and so forth. So, but um, Orange sky. yes, <laughs> good memory. Well, There's then again, you please. had just you've just been revisiting all these yourself. <laughs>
2: Well, that's already distant memory. Yes. Yeah. Well, now <laughs> you're, in
0: the, you're, you're in the third doctor now. I'm in color. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so going, but I agree with Trass. Um It's, it's interesting to go see, and you know, and you, if you get the DVDs, whatever, they'll, you you see them in the, in the 16 by nine aspect ratio or, um, you know, and then, you know, in the, in the movie format and, um. You know, and this was actually the first time yeah. audiences saw Doctor Who, not a TV series, but, you know, a Doctor Who in colour. And they, and oh, they you took... You
1: see Young Bernie Cribbins as well. Yes,
0: yes. And and, and they took the colour thing to heart with the Daleks, you know, making them colourful and, um, you know, and, and when... Uh, Stephen Moffat. That was a sort of a nod when Stephen Moffat took over and brought the Daleks back and redone them. You know, what some people call the Skittles Daleks or whatever. Um, the, 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 it's, I think it was a, a tip to the hat to the to the film Daleks, the the movie Daleks that were in color that had that were
1: very colorful. Uh, and I'll yeah. tell you what. Sorry. Go ahead. Just, uh, I think I prefer the Robo melon then having humans with a bioluminescence mean, oh yeah well the, the same thing with
0: the TV series Man. i i prefer them <laughs> having an apparatus on their head being controlled than stalks coming out of their foreheads all right well um i, I don't that have that
2: could be easily confused with the cybermen though
0: yes but so have you. <laughs> I i i just i i don't know i just i i just don't buy this the the Dalek stalks coming out of their foreheads, and I, it's, just, it's it's just it, it doesn't I don't know sit well with me as it, you know it allows
2: s- them to sell those little flashlights that are shaped as a Dalek eye stalk yeah. <laughs> for the kids in the playgrounds to play with. It's all about the merchandising.
0: Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Speaking literally. about
2: merchandising.
0: There you go. See, you were There's looking for the segue. A, I, was, I was looking for a segue there.
2: Uh, <laughs> there is going to be an uh, e-book released by BBC Digital in February called The Tales of Trenzalore, which is going to include four stories of the uh, 11th Doctor's time defending Trenzalore. As we had seen some so of that in The Time this of the kind
0: Doctor. Of, those, um, the things that I kind of complained about in, our, in my review of, of um, Time of the Doctor was, you know, not see, you know, a lot of that was brushed over narration. And um, a lot of that story that we saw on screen with him was him, you know, we see him sitting, waiting and growing old. So now we get this kind of explores what we didn't see in Time of the Doctor.
2: Yes, there will be uh, four different stories during the Siege of Trenzalore. Let It Snow by Justin Richards, An Apple a Day by George Mann, Strangers in the Outland by Paul Finch, and The Dreaming by Mark Morris.
1: Not one called Geppetto makes toys. Right. (laughs) Well, there's still
2: time. (laughs) I won't reveal which uh, stories will feature which... Monsters, but each one features a classic Doctor Who monster so that should be fun
0: well, it's a whole world of adventure or or, is, or or worlds in time, as the case may be, which is a uh, which i'm not familiar with actually this is a Doctor Who inspired online multiplayer game, but is it it's just inspired or does it, is it really Doctor Who
2: It was Doctor Who, and it started I think in 2011 is when they announced it and uh, now it's been announced that they're uh, closing it I think we had a story about it back in the day
1: obviously I I never Uh, played uh, it I was going to say the book cover illustration uh, two things I noticed first of all it actually shows which monsters are in the stories but secondly it shows the Doctor as a young man which seems stranger we would have thought they would have uh, taken the opportunity to show him you know in a slightly older look
2: maybe they're starting from the beginning of the That's siege tr- mm. and then leaving room for additional ebooks depending how mm. well this one sells all right
0: well there's a good
2: you what, have to think like a merchandiser 600 years
1: the of the version. doctor or so
0: to uh to 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 capture there
1: <laughs> exactly
0: So uh, so I, I I don't know if you mentioned that the, the, so the Worlds of time this game online multiplayer game is coming to an end on the 28th of February of this year of 2014 so um I guess if you're going to play it or if you want to check it out check it out now and um I, I you know well, the the news
2: email says that the game will no longer be accepting transactions from players so existing players are welcome to use their uh, okay earned in-game currency over the next two months, so I don't know if you've if so you can
0: if you're new sign up you or won't not be able if to you it. haven't
2: been signed yeah. up I do not know if that's possible or not
0: Now last but not least, there's some uh, new guests added to Gallifrey 1 which is a uh, Terrence Dix long-time Doctor Who um, persona uh, originally um he was uh, he was on the show itself as a um, screen ed- as, uh, script editor, right? Is that... a script editor and a writer, and a writer, and then he did the novelizations, and,
2: uh, the... right?
0: And also is uh, and... Gareth Thomas and uh, Derek Ritchie.
2: Derek Ritchie is the current script editor, so that uh,
0: good. Book means that.
2: we'll have two script editors there at Gallifrey. And Derek key... Thomas, of course, is from Blake Seven, mm-hmm.
0: and, he also... and he
2: also had a role in Torch and Torchwood. Torchwood.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm.
2: And he also appeared in uh, a big finish play, if not more than one, if I recall correctly.
1: Yeah, uh, and Derek Ritchie also was involved. Is involved with the the third series of uh, Wizards v Aliens. Didn't he? Which it, is it, obviously was... a off um, well, not not na- spin-off, Is that really now? Sorry. Now that
0: you mentioned Big Finish, was wasn't he in one of the um, um, the Un- Unbound series? Am I remembering correctly? He was
2: in Storm Warning, the uh, first uh, Paul McGann story. Okay. okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Very good.
2: I don't recall if he was in any. Oh, he was also in the uh, the Dalek Empire stories. He played a character called Kallendorf. Very good. And I think he appeared also as that character in a Seventh Doctor story. So he's uh, got some uh, audio Doctor Who pedigree. All right, Plus, well, getting back to Derek Ritchie, he was an assistant director on Being Human, Becoming Human, and Still Game.
1: Ah. So good additions to the uh, the guest yes. list.
2: And there's a whole bunch of other guests, but these are the three top names that were announced.
0: All right. Well, you know, I, I thought we didn't have much news to cover, but it turns out that we had a lot of news to cover. So I'm glad, um, I, you know thank you for, for everyone's contribution here. All right. Well, we'll be back momentarily with our review of Cold War.
3: Hi, this is Fraser Hines uh, in downtown L.A., and you're listening to a Doctor Who Podshock.
0: It's the middle of January. Is it cold by you? Well, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, it just may be very cold. And that's why this episode has a very cold theme to it. We're reviewing the Cold War. Well, actually, it's just called Cold War episode of Doctor Who, and which features an ice warrior. And for this episode's audible selection, we're going to feature Doctor Who and the Ice Warriors. Now, um, for those that are familiar with Dr. Pachok, you probably already know that Audible is the premier provider of digital audio books. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in every genre, including science fiction. But not only, they also have thrillers, business, romance, comedy, and so much more. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, over 500 devices for your listening anytime and anywhere. Now for you listeners of Dr. Who Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. Now if you decide you don't like it and you don't want to continue, fine. You just keep you can keep that free Audible selection as yours and be done with it. To download your free audiobook today, simply go to audibletrial.com slash Again, that's audibletrial.com slash for your free audiobook. And as I suggested before, we're recommending Doctor Who and the Ice Warriors. This is by Brian Hales, and it's narrated by Fraser Hines, who's played, as you probably know, Jamie McCrimmon, the second Doctor's companion. This is... um basically the, a story which has which features Jamie and Victoria and the second doctor and um, and and it features the um, the ice warriors you know our good old friends from Mars so um, without any further ado let's hear a little bit from this audible
3: selection stand by for personnel base evacuation procedure phase 1 section leaders report immediately The urgent metallic voice of the computer cut across the quiet bustle of the Britannica's base ionizer operations unit. Although the monitoring technicians continued to work at their places on the central control desk, the standby crews moved briskly to their assembly stations ready for a routine evacuation drill.
4: Base
5: evacuation procedure, phase one, general alert.
3: Senior control technician Jan Garrett hurried to the sleek control deck of Echo, the computer's communications unit, and stabbed the personal response button. The streamlined, artificial head containing Echo's video eye swung into line with Jan's tense face. Reference standby alert, she said tersely, cold grey eyes frowning behind her prim spectacles. Explain. Threat of possible ionizer breakdown, it replied crisply, without a trace of emotion. Relay checks report malfunction build-up. Full data not yet available. All untraced ionizer faults require evacuation standby. It continued, as the voice clattered on. Jan Garrett hurried in the direction of the Ionizer control room. She didn't need a lecture from Echo. She was all too well aware of the dangers. If the Ionizer ever got completely out of control, it would mean total disaster. Not only would the entire unit be wiped out, but this area of Southern Britannicus would be plunged into the state of radiation half-life for the next 500 years. And without the defensive barrier of the Ionizer's heat shield, the whole island would eventually become uninhabitable, locked in the grip of a new ice age. But the computer, as ever, had given timely warning of trouble ahead. With Echo to guide them, they could not fail to hold their own. The flat voice suddenly changed in tone, rising a pitch to a higher degree of quiet alarm. Phase two, Amber Alert, phase two, Amber Alert. All unearthed personnel to be located and documented for departure. Jan fought her way through the orderly turmoil of the Grand Hall and entered what had once been the library of the Georgian mansion that now housed the Britannica's base unit. It was in this elegant room, its paintings and its leather-bound books still preserved in their original twentieth-century state, that the compact but delicate ionizer was housed in regal isolation, its power-lines linked to the small but immensely powerful reactor unit contained in the cellars below. One glance at the machine was enough. All the tell-tale needles were sinking rapidly through amber into the red danger zones. Jan's hands began to operate the relevant controls, damping, adjusting, increasing, desperately trying to achieve stability. Suddenly, the tension that gripped her was sharply increased by the sound of a man's voice at her shoulder. She turned. Leader Clent's face was dark with anger. "'Why has this been allowed to happen?' he snapped. The whole power series is barely above... Again, that's Doctor Who and the
0: Ice Warriors. To download this or any other title that you choose that they have to offer as your free audiobook, simply go to AudibleTrial slash... I'm sorry. Simply go to AudibleTrial.com slash Podshock. Again, that's AudibleTrial.com slash Podshock for your free audiobook.
3: Marshal You know him?
5: Sovereign of the Tharcisian caste. Vanquisher of the Phobos heresy, the greatest hero the proud martial race has ever produced.
3: So what do we do now? Lock him up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is it true?
5: Uh True? I slept for 5,000 years. Uh,
3: that's what the professor says.
5: The Aishwara's have a different creed, Clara. different code. By his own standards, Skaldak is a hero. It was said his enemies honoured him so much they'd carve his name into their own flesh before they died. Oh, yeah. Very
3: nice. He sounds lovely.
5: A nice warrior. Explain. There isn't time. Try me. Martian reptile known as the ice warrior when Mars turned cold they had to adapt their biomechanoid cyborgs built themselves survival armor so they could exist in the freezing cold of their homeworld. but a sudden increase in temperature and the armor goes haywire.
3: Like with the cattle prod thing? Like
5: that cattle prod thing. Bit of a design flaw to be honest. I've always wondered why they never sorted it. Oh look you've got me telling you about them and I said there wasn't time. (laughs) Well
0: welcome back to Dr. Yopachuk and as you can tell from that clip we are about to review Talk to who? Cold War. And as always, before we start a review, I just wanna remind everyone. Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers.
4: Spoilers.
5: Spoilers. Spoilers. spoilers.
0: spoilers. Alright, well we all know. Um spoilers are abound going forward. And you may say to yourself, Well, Lewis, um this episode premiered last April of twenty thirteen. I think we're we don't need to do the spoiler alert but you know people are listening to the show at all different times you know uh in in their voyage of uh doctor who so um they may not have seen it yet so just just as as a little courtesy just a little spoiler alert but um but that's it so <laughs> that's done we'll go forward with our review so uh this is um as I, as i just mentioned it was uh it it was on the 13th of April of 2013 that it was broadcast um actually um, it's it's one of the shorter episodes of the 2013 series. I um, I, I mean I I got it from um, iTunes and it comes in at 41 minutes. It's it's shorter than any other ones that um that 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 premiered that year. But I think it it does have its 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 punch and it, it's good. Well, first if you are before I get into the so into the story, let's um, make a point to mention that it's written by Mark Atis, no stranger to Doctor Who. And directed by Douglas McKen- M- um McKinnon. If I'm pronouncing his last name pro- properly. So coming off the heels of um the Rings of Acaton, I I actually really thought this was a because for me that was sort of a low and now this was a nice kind of punch forward again. And uh, um it's great to see um the return of the ice Warriors, which we really haven't seen so much in you know since Doctor Who's come back. You know, there was the Waters of Mars where, you know, there's sort of a reference to them. um, But we didn't actually, you know, obviously that that wasn't a story about the Ice Warriors. And Cold War, I I thought was a great name. You know, obviously the story uh, takes place during the Cold War. But it's also when you think about Ice Warrior, you know, (laughs) and Cold War go hand in hand, you know. So an Ice Warrior, you would think, would be a Cold War would we be fighting a cold war <laughs> so I, I obviously i it just I, I kind of worked well there so this takes place in a uh soviet submarine uh near the north pole um in 1983 which is nice to see them exploring history but recent history because you know especially like during the christmas episodes we we get our fellow victorian times so it's it's good seeing um Something a little bit more recent um, that, that that maybe a lot of the audience um, maybe have lived through, or maybe the younger people might have been born then. But uh, for us older timers, yeah, we can. I remember watching uh, Doctor the Who in nineteen eighty-three. Yes,
1: yeah, the Waltman owners amongst us
0: <laughs> I, I thought the the production values were really top-notch. Yeah, there's, just, uh, like, you know, in in a sense, theatrical value. You know, and I, and I think speaking of which, uh, you know, as, as far as theatrics go, I, I think one might say this might be tipping the hat in some respect to um, to Ridley Scott's Alien movie, and, and at least in some scenes there, it, it seems to um been a, a little nod to that, you know. Uh, when, um, well, the, word I, is
1: r- the word is rip-off, you're looking at.
0: Well, no, I wouldn't say that, but it's, you know.
1: Uh, that the, 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 the skitterish movement of the... Anyway, we'll get to that maybe, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it, it definitely, I think it's, a, it's an obvious nod to it. You know, instead of uh, being trapped in a ship, you know, in space somewhere, we're in, in a submarine for all intents and purposes, trapped underwater, uh, you know, near the North Pole, you, you might as well be out in outer space. You know, no one can hear you scream, you know, where they were either. So. <laughs>
2: it has that feel of a and base under siege story. It, Which is it does, yes. where you yeah. got the uh, first appearance of the oh, Ice Warriors. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a, a nod to to that that era as well.
0: Well, and you had mentioned this in our um, when we we were chatting before the show that uh, the block of ice is sort of um, a a, um, a reoccurrence. You know, having the, the the Ice Warrior come out of a block of ice.
2: Yes. In both stories, that's how the Ice Warrior is originally introduced to the uh, to the episode.
0: Now, when I, I first saw this, I said to myself, you know, what would have been nice if they would have done this. But I, I there's a caveat to this: is um, it, before the TARDIS arrives, it would have been kind of cool if they were all speaking Russian, and then after the TARDIS arrives, without any explanation or anything like that, everyone's speaking English, or you know, at least we're understanding them in English. But as cool as that would have been and I even like rewatching it that thought went to my mind again we have to say that that you know it they don't do that with aliens you know when the Heli- when when we see um you know before the TARDIS arrives if there's a prologue that uh with with alien cultures you know we're not hearing them speaking in their alien tongue before so but i i i don't know i i just thought it would have been kind of appropriate here but as i said it, um they they don't do they don't do it elsewhere, so why should they do it here? But that was my thought when I was watching it.
1: Yeah, I would agree that that might have been a good idea. Probably it was too long a scene for that, uh, and also um, uh, they wanted the uh, the professor character to be singing. I suppose in many, he still could have sung that that part in English, even even if the the rest mm-hmm. of the dialogue yeah. ha- hadn't been in Russian. Uh, presumably with um, with um, you know, uh, text uh, over the over the screen, so we knew what they were saying. I, I think that would have actually worked well.
0: Well, and we I, we were we were a bit of a miss by saying um, by not mentioning that David Warner is playing the Professor here, which David Warner has a long um, history of um, films, and you know, I think he you know he brings everything. Back- Everything. everything. He's he's doing everything. everything. Every, uh, he's no stranger <laughs> to time travel either since uh he was he was in um, what was the um the nineteen seventy nine um um what was that called again? The H. G. Wells story. Um that was a movie about he was uh he was Jack the Ripper and H. G. Wells was tracking him. Nicholas Mayer uh, directed oh, yes. it. Um Time After Time. I think time that was Time after it. time, yeah. I think that was it, yes movie if you haven't seen it it's a if you like time travel stories definitely that's worth checking out so he it's actually he plays a lot of heavies you know he plays a lot of villains and so and here it was nice seeing him playing you know a um you know he's not playing an adversary here he's you know in a sense he's he's sort of befriends the um uh clara and the doctor in this story
1: well, I mean, you can go back, well, a lot further than that, but, I mean, one of the earliest things I saw him in was the omen uh, alongside yes. the second doctor. Yeah, um, Patrick um, Troughton, yeah. And he played a, Patrick Troughton. Yeah, but he, I think he played a journalist who came to a rather sticky mm. end. Yes. Or will uh, give it away, but um, well, to say that, so did Patrick Troughton uh, uh, playing yes. a, a, a priest. Uh, but, as you say, Let's he's put been a Cardassian uh, in... Uh, yeah, in uh, Next Generation, uh, but he has also been in Doctor Who before. He's um, he played, I um, uh, did the voice in Dreamland of um, Lord Aslock, was it um, uh, the, the 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 principal uh, alien in Dreamland, the the tenth Doctor um, animated story,
2: and in the. Doctor Who Unbounds. He played the Doctor in uh, an alternate Doctor in two of the uh, stories, opposite uh, Nicholas Courtney.
0: Mm, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why okay. I was thinking that, um with Gareth Thomas earlier. Unbound was coming to my mind. Maybe, maybe somehow that leaked into it. Okay.
5: You're a long way from home. Five thousand years. I'm 5,000 years adrift in time. Please, let us help you. You are
3: not our enemy.
5: And yet, I am in chains.
3: Doctor, what do I say?
5: Yes, Doctor.
1: What should she say? I think he wants to speak to the organ grinder, not to the monkey. I heard that. You
5: are restrained until we can trust each other, Skaldak. You would do exactly the same in my position and don't even think about using that sort of weapon. Not in the torpedo room.
3: I was fleet
5: commander of the Nyx Tharsis. My daughter stood by me. It was her first taste of action. We sang the songs of the old times. The songs Five thousand years. Now my daughter will be dust. Only dust. No, 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 no. listen. Your people live on, Scal. They're scattered all across the universe, and Mars will rise again, I promise you. Just let me help you. I require no help. There will be no help. I'm okay. No, listen, Clara, don't get too close. I'm okay. Doctor, something's wrong. What? Something's. (gasps) It's not there, it's gone. Gone? 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 What do you mean, gone? It's gone! It is time I learned the measure of my enemies and what this vessel is capable of. No 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 Skaldak.
0: So we we see um we finally see um the Ice Warrior outside of his um protective armor there. Was, um I think it was a a good play there to kinda Because the the, the armor um even though they've updated it, it's still it still looks a little dated from, you know, from the 1960s. So I, I thought that was a, a good way to sort of flesh out the character, even though we never do see the complete ice warrior outside of his armor. We see his hands and um, face, obviously. But, um, but you know, I, it's OK, you know, some budget saving there as far as not actually seeing the full figure. And But it also adds to the mystery and 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 horror element you know they they always said the great horror films are the ones that you don't see the the creature right away you know it's 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 kept in darkness and and i, I think that's that was an obvious thing that they were playing at you know I, I think it was serendipitous that that stephen spielberg's uh shock endures the mechanical shock didn't always work all the time so a lot of it you know was a, was a happy accident because uh you didn 't see the shock when when you might have would have have but it' just didn 't work out that way but and it worked out in the end
1: well, I think that this is approves the point as well alongside this i mean first of all uh, I must make a note of nick brigg 's uh, uh, voice mm-hmm. work on that absolutely fabulous, but um yeah i mean in many ways, this was a great realization of bringing back this uh, this uh creature from the classic series but um Two, two or three things first of all i i, I don't think um the the cgi uh, face you know the, the, we have this system again like we did with the silorians where they, they wear an outer mask and then you you mm-hmm. see the yeah. face underneath um uh, and i think that's much more successful with the silorians than this cgi face that we see looks a, a little bit um ineffective to me um but the voice was absolutely brilliant, um, and I think we actually played uh, on one of the past episodes of Pod um when we'd had the uh, the latest uh, Doctor Who um, concert. You know, the uh, the Proms mm-hmm. uh, in 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 the actual break time. They talked about how they'd come up with the actual sound effects. They'd use some whale noises and things mm-hmm. like that, and uh, and other things to supplement, and and they lowered the tones. But having said that, even. Listening to that little uh, documentary they did about it in the break, uh, Nick Briggs acting without the effects um, uh, brought character to this part. Uh, now, I seem to remember Taras being a uh, classical man for the moment. With the, with this uh, alien race, they were actually, as I thought, they were two, two uh Spe- not species but there was like the, the mm-hmm. warrior class, the very large lumbering ones and then the, the actual uh, leaders the actual officer rank or whatever you would want to mm-hmm. call it were much more slightly built and not actually wearing that outer armour Are wearing a much lighter armour where, The where Ice in, Lords The Ice Lords, thank you um, So I think this was very successful but uh, where you said this about the um, the alien thing I think it was a little bit too skittery and a little bit too small. I mean, um, I, I understand the fact that it it, it could riddle out of its uh, shell, and and to do that it would have to be a smaller. But a, a, I thought it should have had more substance than that. But I suppose it was to give this sort of the, the in the enclosed area of the um, the uh, submarine. Um, it it could have uh, hidden anywhere and um, I think it was Mike thor who was talking on uh, another podcast saying that the, the the one thing was that although this submarine was very realistically done and a little bit like your, your flat with water and electricity and uh, <laughs> all sorts of sparks going up um, uh, the the ceiling height seemed a little high so that just yeah, reduced down this cluster for a for a real thing, submarine that, a that, little bit
0: that, 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 the scene where um one of the Russian soldiers disappears up, you know, in the ceiling, and uh, that that whole area just seemed a little bit too wide for... too spacious for a submarine, really. I mean, but I, I'll right. give him artistic um, license for it. Uh,
1: just before... Uh, well, I'm the sure. missile
2: submarines are a lot bigger than the attack submarines because they have to hold
1: the missiles.
2: Yeah. So usually but, there would be probably enough... Uh, Vertical space for those.
1: Certainly, in some sections there would be, and but as you quite rightly say, when we see its surface, it's an enormous submarine. It's you know one of the big class submarines. But if I can just, before Tars talks about. Um, uh, the Saldak character, um, one of the things right at the beginning where we we, we have the the TARDIS come here, of course for the story point of view we have these things where sometimes the Doctor can direct where the TARDIS goes, sometimes the TARDIS uh, takes him where he needs to be as it were, and of course they come out of the TARDIS, uh, you know he's got his Elvis glasses on, he's taking her to Las Vegas. Uh, presumably in the 70s, he was taking her. Um, even though this story takes place, as you said, in 83. <clears throat> I'm not quite sure when Elvis died, but I think It was they were 77 going or 70? 70, I think it was 77. Yeah, yeah, so they were, they were going to the 70s. Um, now, I must admit, they, they showed a, um, a still, a, a promotional still project going out of um, Clara in that um, silver outfit, which made, uh, gave me a very Zoe moment, I must admit, Uh <laughs> But they showed, it, they showed the picture through a bulkhead, so you sort of got a, a full length uh, picture of the two of them there uh, inside the submarine so uh, it, it was really very nice uh, where they were thrust into it. but I was a little bit taken aback where uh, we have that first scene where you know the captain reluctantly um, is persuaded by the doctor when he talks about you know lateral thrust and that was the first clip I think you played mm-hmm. and yes. they, they, they go onto this ice shelf. And he says to the doctor, um, "I think we must thank you. You saved our lives." And then, within a second, um, we have this thing where um, you know uh, the the um, I don't know what happens. Oh, yeah, they start it starts to shift or something like that, and they think they're under attack again. And the um, the sonic screwdriver goes flying. Presumably, that's the point when it activates the homing device are uh, the the howls, or whatever it was called, on the TARDIS. And then you see Clara um, submerge into the water, and you see the thing... Now, I thought, because we'd seen the storyline being built up, this is the girl who dies, I actually thought at that point she... Uh, uh, what they're going to do is she, she's going to die at this point, because it seemed very strange, because <clears throat> that was reinforced in my mind, because when... Obviously, it turned out she'd actually just revived. She'd been underwater and slightly un- unconscious under the very cold water. Suddenly, the captain's at the, the doctor's throat, even though just 20 seconds below and of co- after, of course, that's if there isn't an advert in between, he just thanked the doctor for saving his life. So I thought they'd sort of switched alternate realities or something had happened there. But all it was was to to show that that Clara had presumably fainted at that point and the TARDIS had uh, dematerialized uh, and suddenly they were no longer the saviors of the thing. Uh, They were then under uh, suspect again. Since uh, the stories are
2: usually told from the companion's viewpoint, Mm -hmm. so when Clara loses consciousness, they move the story forward. So we don't know how long... Clara was out Mm -hmm. so that gave some time to move the story forward and it could possibly explain why the uh the episode length was short maybe they cut out a scene from there that just slowed the pace
1: down to a crawl that would make sense that and it would just
2: go right into the story instead of uh some exposition or whatever was there that would have slowed the the, the pacing down.
1: Right. Uh, I must admit, when, when things like that happen, I, I spend a minute or two churning to myself and then I have to catch up with the story. Uh, so it did take me out of the story a little bit. seemed a little bit uh, of a jolt to me. Well, but... it,
2: it was natural to me since the uh, the companions usually are window into the story. And if the companion goes unconscious, that's a good way to kind of hide some information from us, the viewers, to get us to catch up
1: that at makes a later sense. time. I, and I must admit, this, is, um, this was a story, uh, I mean, uh, I know that Lewis said at the beginning about you know, the rings of Akatannan this being um, you know, more my, like his sort of story. I was really extremely looking forward to this. This was the one that I thought was going to be the real highlight. And I think it certainly was a much better story. But on first viewing, I had a slight disappointment about because about, of the shortness of it and the disjointedness. I was a little uncertain about um, the David Warner characterisation um, uh, no, I will tell you what, it wasn't that. It was the, uh, another thing that happened before that. Sorry to jump back to the beginning, Lewis, but no, okay. um, when when the the sub submarine man who was in charge of looking after um, the, the the lump of ice that they would recovered, mm-hmm. he he said uh, he, he you know he talk he's talking to himself, but he basically said, uh, you know, uh, the captain wants to take this back, you know, to mainland so it can be checked properly but I don't want to wait for that. I can't believe a Russian soldier... You know, he'd be... He, I'm not saying he'd be shot on sight, but he'd, he'd be banged up in the brig for the rest of the trip for for disobeying orders like that. And if he did throw it out and it was, a, you know, a scientific, you know, um, a mammoth or whatever, it would have deteriorated by the time they got back because these missions go on for weeks and weeks and weeks. So, um, again because it was a realistically set mm-hmm. story, then I expect realistic um, behaviour from the crew. So yeah. maybe that's why I, I, I agree, actually.
0: That I, I thought it was out of character. In a, I remember first watching it, and those thoughts crossed my mind as well, that I, I didn't think that, that they would get... that someone, an individual, could get away with that, um, you know, acting alone like that. You know, um, You know, I remember thinking that the first time. Um, watching it, seeing it again more recently, I didn't think of it because I've already, you know, accepted it, you know. But but now thinking back, I think I thought the same thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, one could it- assume that since there is somebody who looks like a civilian, uh, Professor uh, Grisenko, who's who's David Warner's character, you might think that maybe he has some friends high up and that's how he got access to use this sub for some scientific mission in addition to its primary mission.
1: Well, yeah, indeed. I mean, it was a real nest of vipers, wasn't it? Because his first officer was obviously some sort of, um, you know, um, he had his own... um, or, just to keep an eye on the captain didn 't he? You know you know this could turn out to be a, a hump for red october, so well there's know, usually
2: but, a political officer yeah. in, in a Soviet submarine keeping an eye that everybody follows the party lines, so that that kind of makes sense mm-hmm.
1: yeah i mean when they were when they were doing the drill at the beginning, well, we didn 't know it was a drill, and I thought that was effective. that was a very good intro there because you know for all we knew you know the world was at war when the doctor was arriving. Um, But it it didn't, even just a little bit of editing there, uh, and perhaps I'm criticising the editing now, but, I mean, we see the captain with his finger on the button, but we don't see the first officer with his finger on a second button uh, because I I always assume there's a fail-safe with these that two people have to independently press a button separately. Well, that's how yeah, it was in War games. Uh, Lewis, <laughs> otherwise, uh, otherwise, Lewis, you switch your light off and the street electricity goes down, doesn't it, in your, yeah, well, in it your happens. area? Yeah, yeah.
0: And you would think there, But at the end, when uh, jumping... You jump to the beginning. If we could jump to the end, don't we see two keyhole, two, I, unless they're two, two different views of the same one? I
1: thought they were two... Yeah, um, but that's, yeah. they were. But... Uh, they, they, it wasn't shown. Um, you would have if it was realistic. You would have shown because they always have that where one person can't do it at arm's length. Where they're sorry, yeah, you, you two, would have to have two, two people do it. To, yeah. yeah, yeah. I really like
2: Liam Cunningham's portrayal of Captain Zhukov. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic. Yes. Actor. yes. Now, one thing I noticed from his performance and a couple of the other uh, sub crew. Uh, members their performances uh, it, they kind of sounded a bit to me like uh, we had from uh, Sean Connery's performance in A Hunt for Red October they seem to have been uh, kind of
1: sounding like that to me Sounded a bit like Chekhov to me Was a sound uh, nuclear <laughs> <laughs>
2: The w- nuclear vessels.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was, that was the one. That was it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 I do think he, uh, the Liam Culling, uh, Cunningham act is is really great. Um, uh, he was the best thing in uh, the science fiction that actually got cancelled. The Outcasts, uh, uh, if anybody, but that was a UK uh, science fiction series where he plays the commander of. Uh, uh, it was from 2011 this was where they were they were sent to another planet uh called Carpathia and um i think there were only eight episodes of that maybe before it got canned um but that had uh, daniel Mays in it from um, ashes to ashes and uh, had some great uh, characters in it but um yeah he he plays that commanding officer very very well indeed Reminded me a bit about the, a little bit of the actor who was the, um, the leader of the, um, the humans in um, the Doctor's Daughter episode. Um, you know, the one that, that you said, uh, Lewis. I think when you saw it, you thought, "Oh, it's uh, the man from uh, King Arthur, or whatever it was." Uh, and I'm trying to remember is the actor's name for that now. I do talk myself into corners, you know. With this. <laughs> I never know where my voice is going. So, but if you if you remember the leader in mm-hmm. the. Um, the doctor's daughter episode. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, vo- unmistakable enough. voice, yeah. Comrades, you know our situation. The reactor is drowned. We are totally reliant on battery power and our air is running out. Rescue is unlikely. But we still have a mission to fulfill. If the doctor is right, then we are all that stands between this creature and the destruction of the world. Control of one missile is all he needs. We are expendable, comrades. Our world is not. I know I can rely on every one of you to do his duty without fail. That is all.
3: Listen to me. We both understand each other. This, this time of peace, it doesn't suit us. We're both warriors. Together, we can form an
5: alliance. An alliance? Yes.
3: To win the Cold War. Cold War. Both sides are capable of completely obliterating the other. It's a state we call mutually assured destruction.
5: Mutually assured destruction. But this has not occurred. Not
1: yet.
0: It's interesting how either it's Murray Gold or the sound effects people, you know, incorporated, like, the heartbeat sound in in in, in that scene there.
1: Yeah. And Nigel Terry, it was, uh, I was trying to think of, from... Uh, yes, the Nigel. Doctor's yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and the, the first officer, by the way... Um, he played a very good part. Um, um, Tobias Menzies, is it? I think I've got yeah, the, Lieutenant, the right arm um, for Step, that.
0: Step, um, Lieutenant Sebastian.
1: Yes. Step-Aston. That's it. Yeah, yeah. He, he's just been recently in a latest episode of uh, Silent Witness. Um, unfortunately, he gets a little bit typecast because he always tends to be the the the, the sort of person with a little bit of. Uh, not very good moral fibre, so he gets a little bit typecast into that sort of a role. But um, yeah, I thought he was extremely good in this. He was a good uh, counterfoil to the captain, really.
0: Yeah, and I don't think he was all that trusting to the doctor either. Yeah. So now, Dave, you had mentioned that you didn't like the the CGI head of the the Ice Warrior. You, a little well, it looked a little
1: bit um, yeah, it, it looked a little bit. What's the word? Not see through, but I mean, it, not solid. It looked a bit pasty, and it didn't. Yeah, it didn't look solid. Um, and also, when he had the the helmet and the thing on, the 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 actor. Obviously, I mean, we've mentioned the actor. Uh, we've mentioned Nicholas Briggs doing the actual voice, but the actual it was um, Spencer. Wilder. Spencer Wilding. Wilding. Uh, yeah. But you could see a very strong chin under there, where when it came up it looked a little bit of a squashed in face. Well, underneath. actually I I thought the I, shape I'm not sure that was realized.
0: I, I I think you have a point there with the squashed in like I, I thought the shape didn't was a mismatch to how he looks with the helmet on. Um I mean unless his face, you know, is is pliable, whatever. It's just he the CGI face seems very round and with the helmet on, the 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 head looks more oval. So it it just didn't seem like if you it didn't seem like if you the helmet would fit on his head. If you take my meaning, yeah. I, again, they they were they were trying to do something more than because in the originally you never you know and the Doctor a mentioned that this is like the first time that he sees them outside of the protective armor, you know, so, and again, I think they were trying to do something more than just rely on what we saw, you know, in the 1960s when um, maybe something like that was a little bit more accepting, you know, as far as the costume goes, and they updated the costume, but it, you know, I think it's, I mean, they had to keep it, they had to keep it honest and true to the original, yet modernize it, but I I don't, I, I think um, the CGI is what really brought it to what maybe today's audiences would expect.
1: Mm. I mean, I love the. Um, I thought Matt Smith did uh, did a very good job on this. I, I like the way he's describing, you know, the Ice Warrior and uh, and uh, his 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 sort of admiration for their warrior class and so on, and mm. treating them with respect. And and I also love the the fact that Clara, you know, goes in and. Um, you know the, the spunky girl that she's. Although I say again, it doesn't sound very right to say a UK girl's a spunky girl. It always sounds a more American term. But you know she she went in and um, uh, and arbitrated there. Uh, of course, the it, it didn't pull the wool over the eyes um, because uh, you know yes, doctor. What should she ask? You know, but um, but I've thought rather a lot. I think I, I'd like to see what uh, you know Tara's thought about this episode.
2: I really enjoyed this episode. This uh, showed us some aspects of the Ice Warriors that we hadn't seen before, though there was, uh, I guess, a story that was replaced by the Seeds of Death that was supposed to uh, go into the origins of the Ice Warriors that kind of hints at what they look like without their armor. That uh, was recently done in the Big Finishes Lost Stories series, uh, Lords of the Red Planet, which was also written by uh, Brian Hales. So that was interesting to listen to that after having seen this story. But I really enjoyed this story. It really gave a feel for the time and being on a submarine. Mm. And it really called out to the the old Troughton base under siege stories which uh, were quite enjoyable when I was re-watching them recently
1: yeah I think it was very good I mean um, of course we 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 had um, dare we even mention the words Doctor Victorious but we we had the the story in the 10th Doctor's uh, set on Mars with the you know with the water water always wins I don't know whether that clashed somewhat with the thought of um Uh, this race uh, as against that. uh, I don't know how the two uh, go together, really. I suppose we've got to think of them as separate time periods in Martian history. Again, jumping to the end, I'm not too sure about that spaceship. Again, it reminded me a little bit, for those people who saw the Sarah Jane Adventures, maybe I think it was the very last episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures, um, where we have a story where there's a spaceship comes, I won't say too much about it, but there's a spaceship that comes down to collect some people, some uh, um, very small characters that are in one of the stories, and um, to me it seemed a very similar sort of spaceship. uh, I'm wondering whether the CGI was um, uh, under a little bit of financial pressure on this, although it was certainly a better spaceship than the one in uh, the 11th hour, I didn't like the one with the big eye in it, so we've had some rather strange spaceships in some of these uh, recent doctors. Of course, I'm not sure who does the CGI now because the mill is no longer the place that they always go to, is it? That, that I, for I a seemed, long time was- um,
0: I, I seemed, I didn't freeze frame it, but I, I think if you go and I, I think maybe, I, I think I saw the mill in the credits is what I'm saying. I, I'm, I don't know to what extent, but right. I, I think I did see the mill in the in, in the end credits. So maybe think, uh, maybe they uh, use them from time to time. May
2: have done, uh, may have done the uh, the ice warrior.
0: It could be that right. it could be that one that did uh, the ice warrior. Maybe one did the spaceship, or um, you know. And uh, I'm I'm assuming um, you know some of the the submarine as well, and you know some of the I don't know you know what what are model shots and what might be CGI. When the submarine initially. Uh, in that early scenes, when when it's sinking and all that, and you hear some of the sounds of the uh, you know that, that you hear in the background, it reminded me of the Two walkers. Um, just speaking of effects and um, going to audio effects, if you if you listen to that, it, it does really. I mean, um, it, you know, for the Star Wars films, they sample sounds from everywhere and they incorporate it. So it it, um, it doesn't mean anything. I'm not saying that they took it from Star Wars. I'm just saying that it's just just a coincidence that. Uh, there's similar sounds there. I think
2: the uh the ice warrior outside of the costume was actually an animatronic. Ah. Of which they they built the whole body.
0: But we don't see that. We don't see it. we never
1: see the whole body. We, we don't
0: see that in the episode.
1: Well, presumably they they did. Some, that's another reason why it might be short. Maybe the uh, Lewis, uh, maybe, maybe it, it didn't may work. well be they they had more. Yeah, they had more prolonged looks at it, and they said um, it doesn't look. I mean, because they 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 got this very strong, very strong voice. I mean, it, um, mm-hmm. as I say, the voice acting by Nick Briggs and the uh, the the other enhancements that they put on that really did work. I mean, this seemed a uh phenomenal creature. I mean. Uh, i mean you see these great chains about it and so on and I, I think again like you said the the cold war was exactly the place to set this creature because um the, one of the things that uh is implied is that a little bit like uh the episode dalek you know yes, just one of too. this race yeah. mm-hmm. could could do t- could do what it did uh, so there's a parallel there and of course this is the ideal thing it's it's uh, if I can bring a cowboy analogy into this, it's the the man with no name, where he goes to a village where there's two clans, uh, equally balanced, and no one can win. So he he finds out that which side he wants to go to to be in, and he goes to the other side and and picks a fight and kills three of the other side, tipping the balance. And basically, the way that Skaldak can bring about this is he's in a nuclear submarine. You are in a car. It's got all these. All it needs to do is fire one of those towards some, you know, Western civilization, uh, and the the domino effect kicks in, uh, and it's as, I mean, very stupidly for the uh, for the, uh, the not the, the, the first officer, who you think you know military secrets and all that, talks about this mutually assured destruction thing, which basically. Gives that the 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 plan really he hands it in on a plate. Yeah, but I I think it actually by the way the uh, I don't think we I don't think you mentioned um, the appreciation appreciation index for this, um, eighty four which is uh, I thought it was slightly higher as I say, I I did very much like it but I was expecting to be blown out of my chair with this one this was the one I was really looking forward to. Um,
2: <clears throat> but if we uh, take a look at that second half of the uh, season, with yeah. the exception of the first and the last episodes, they were basically all 84s and 85s. So as far as the AIs go, they were kind of like on an even keel.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, it got uh, 7.37 million viewers at the time. Um on BBC
1: One. Yeah, it went up to... Uh, 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 there was another one point... Because uh, Tyrus was talking about BBC iPlayer, 1.65 million viewings on the iPlayer as well. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's... Um, I mean, it's an awful lot to recommend this. Anyway, go on. Yeah, I'm going to play one last
0: clip and then we'll do our overall um, assessment.
1: No! Scalduck,
5: wait! 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 wait. He's arming the warheads! Where is the honour in condemning billions of innocents to death? 5,000 years ago, Mars was the centre of a vast empire, the jewel of this solar system. The people of Earth had only just begun to leave their caves. 5,000 years isn't such a long time, they're still just frightened children. Still primitive. Who are you to judge? I am Scalduck. This planet is forfeit under Martian law. Then teach them, teach them, Grand Marshal. Show them another way. Show them there is honour in mercy. Is this how you want history to remember you? Grand Marshal Scaldag, destroyer of Earth, because that's what you'll be if you send those missiles, not a soldier. A murderer. Five billion lives extinguished, no chance for goodbyes. A world! A world snuffed out like a candle flame. All right. All right, Scaldac, you leave me no choice. I'm a Time Lord! Scaldac, I know a thing or two about sonic technology myself. A threat. You threaten me, Doctor. No. No, not you. All of us. I will blow this sub up before you can even reach that button, Grand Marshal. Blow us all to oblivion. You will sacrifice yourself. In a heartbeat.
0: Uh, it's um, interesting how um, they get out of that situation, because um, basically um, Clara calls upon um, his humanity, if you will. You know, remembrance of... Of you know because they he speaks earlier of his um singing songs with his daughter Daughter. yeah yeah
2: um, uh, his s- sense of honor
0: yeah they they sang songs of of the red snow or something like that i don't i can't i'm paraphrasing um so yeah the, the, and then even when he's transported back to the ship his uh when his, when his people do come. There's a um, a part where you know where the, the the missiles are still armed and and then Clara starts singing, <laughs> you know uh, there was a beat going on with with uh, the David Warner's character and and pop music that he was listening to you know the popular music of the time of 1983 so Ultravox uh, and and uh, Duran Duran's Hungry Like the Wolf so she starts singing uh, part of Hungry Like the Wolf and I don't know if he really hears that but it might be just coincidental but uh, you know where. Um, I guess he, they decide not to, you know, to, to release the, the the army mechanism. So overall, I, I did enjoy the story. I thought it was. Um, I mean, I I, know, I realize it's not one that um, you might not be able to rewatch over and over again, but every now and then, I think it's it's nice to kind of pull out and watch. And um, I, I think there's definitely nods to uh, to Alien, and, and as um, Tras was saying, uh, to the Trouton era with a uh, base on the sea. for Red October. And and yeah, hunt for and Red also October. Hunt for Red October. Yes. So I I think that that all plays into it, you know. Um, and I, I think uh, the the acting is done very well. I I agree with both of you with um, Liam Cummings, um, you know, playing the captain. That character was done very well. Uh, David Warner, like I said, it was refreshing seeing him, you know, in a science fiction role where he's not the heavy, and um, you know, it's it's good to see. Um, a story like this and it's great to see the ice warriors come back you know it seems like you know every year like we, we ponder which of the classic you know if you will you know uh, foes that may return to Doctor Who and um this was a long time coming because uh like I said we hadn't really seen them in, um in in well in some time in, in decades really um so it's,
2: it's their last appearance was in uh 1974 I, um, Monster John, of Peladon. John
0: Partley story, yeah. Ah.
2: They were supposed to come back during the Sixth Doctor era, but it might be a good thing that they did not, because that was kind of not that great of a story.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, is that one of the stories that ended up being replaced by Time of a Trial Lord? Uh, Trial of Time Lord. <laughs>
2: right, it's from the canceled season.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Interesting. Oh, so I, I'll Do you give, want to give your I'll give it. Yeah, my I'm going to give it four out of five. Tardis groans. I like I said. I, I thought the pacing was good. I think it's a good. Um, you know, it, it's interesting listening to the audio only because uh, I think Dave has mentioned this previously on on um, previous episodes. You know, listening to the audio sometimes you without the video you you pick up on things that you might not have heard watching it, and I, that was the case with me with the with some of these audio clips. So it's. It's it has a um nice textured layering there of, of different information that um sometimes you're 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 looking at the visuals and you may not pick up everything that's that's there, you know, that's present in audio. So um it might be a nice practice to kinda of turn the picture down and just listen to some of these stories without the without watching them. So, yeah, I, I like I said, I, I, I did enjoy this. I'm going to give it four out of five TARDIS groans. Um, it's good to see the Ice Warriors back. And um, like I said, I, I I just thought there were... Um, I, I didn't really think there were rip-offs. I just thought there were nods to a lot of other previous work that... You know, it's it's not unlike Doctor Who to do this, you know, especially with the, the um series, you know, uh, Brain of Morbius, and you, you can point to a lot of the stories that were nods to uh, previous... Um, works that were done before. So uh, this is um, Doctor Who meets Hunt for Red October, in a sense, uh, with with a, a pinch of alien in there, too. All right, well, uh, Dave or, or Terras, if you want to give your overall summary of it.
2: Well, I thought this was one of the highlights of the second half of series seven, Probably, with the exception of the two bookmark episodes, probably the strongest episode of that run, mm. in my opinion. And I really enjoyed the setting and uh, the execution in this episode. Dave?
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, of course, you don't give a rating. I was just waiting for that. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I... Um... I, I did enjoy it and I certainly enjoyed it more on the second viewing. First viewing, as I say, I, I had a slight sort of double take at the beginning, wasn't sure what's happening. Again, that was because of the setup with the, this Clara character and, and so on. <clears throat> but I, I liked the way that we were immediately into the story um the 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 cast here was a very very high quality cast maybe that 's because they've only got a small cast that can do that It is a bottle episode mm-hmm. it, yet it still reminds me oh I suppose Fang, uh, the horror of Fang rock was a um, a, a bottle episode in, in as much as it was on a lighthouse and a a, a small island um i I think uh, this is one of my favorite matt smith 's performances. Uh, I love the performance by Clara. David Warner, uh, it threw me a little bit because I was expecting, like you said, there was going to be some hidden depth. And the reason for that is that um, right near the beginning when the captain asks him um, about the ice, he says, uh, Mammoth? Uh, And the way David Warner can Mm. play so much into his reply, probably. But you always had the feeling that he secretly knew it was something else. Yeah, and was I, I suspect he did. Yes.
0: Yeah, I, I thought so too. I yeah. Suspect uh, he so,
1: did. so I was waiting. That, I was waiting for that to unravel a little bit. It never did. Um, the 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 Nick Briggs takes an awful lot to me for this one uh, for its success. Liam Cunningham, I, I love him as an actor. Go and see Outcast just to see to to see him. Um, and as I said, Tobias Menders. He, he, he does get tend to be typecast in this sort of less than reliable character, but it is absolutely perfect for this part. Uh, the other thing I should mention is um, it also reminds me, but it it doesn't quite come up to one of my older favourites, and that is uh, Midnight, which of course is another similar. Mm. You know, they're in the the bottle episode. I think Midnight is a better story. Having said this. I like this because we're out of the, the fairy tale from, from the previous week. And also I was looking forward um, when I was seeing the link into the uh, next week's uh, story, which uh, hopefully we will be reviewing at some point, maybe fairly soon. Uh, the Hyde one, which of course has um, the actress that we now know as playing uh, uh, Verity Lambert, um, Jessica wow. rain 's mm-hmm. isn't it? But, um, uh, yeah. So, um, I thought it was one of the highlights. This was one of my favourite ones. Because some of my favourite stories have actually been let down by the monster. In other words, mm-hmm. the Lazarus experiment, experiment, a lot of people don't rate it. I think, again, Mark Gatiss was acting in that rather than he wrote this. Uh, but to me, that was spoiled by the CGI monster. And I love Vincent and the Doctor, but to me, if there was any letdown to that, it was the Naff monster in it. Mm. Uh, where here, I think the monster was only slightly let down by those CGI f- effects. But overall, highly successful. And I think there were just a few little blips in the editing. I th- I think maybe they were under pressure because th- now, when you introduce this, you obviously it's season seven. Uh, I'm I'm not quite sure whether it's episode eight or episode nine, because it depends on whether people include the previous Christmas story. Uh, Some people list this as episode eight, some as nine. But uh, you've got a feeling that they were getting down to the wire now, because obviously at the beginning of the series, I mean, we've already talked in the news that Peter Capaldi's already filming, and those episodes are not going to come out till August. Uh, But as you go through a season... The lead time gets shorter and shorter, so I do feel as though, uh, and I'd, I don't really want to say the editing was not up to par, but I think it it could have done with another look through. I think another minute or two added here and there, just to explain, the, you know, the um, the firing mechanism, the um, the the. Although I do take Taris's point, I think it's very valid that you know we we follow the companion's view. So if Clara was uh, out cold, then then it's quite right that that moves. But the the the, the captain's character seemed to to turn on a coin at that point between being grateful to being saved to sort of basically lunging at the doctor and pinning him against the wall. Um, So I think just another two or three minutes and maybe just another look at the editing could have elevated this from the four out of five, I'm going to give it, to nearly a five. I think this could have been an absolute top-of-the-range top Doctor Who episode just with, it was that pinch of salt
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um, off being absolute, uh, uh, you know, a, a really... Very, very high story, but it definitely is worth a rewatch, and it definitely is uh, one of the things that Doc 2 does well. The bottle episodes often turn out to be very, very strong ones. Uh, they're almost, uh, I think we've said this about another story recently, is them. Um, there are some Doc 2 stories that you can imagine them being set on the stage as a play. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think this. I think this is one of those sort of stories that, you know, Midnight would absolutely make a fantastic play, I think, for some amateur group to do. Uh, uh, And I think this also could be done like that. Um, So, four out of five. Did enjoy it. Enjoyed it even more on the second viewing after, as I say, on the first viewing, I just had a few little scratches of my head. Fantastic cast. Fantastic. uh, audio, whatever, and again, I'm going to take what Darl says. Some of these stories, you almost, you have to listen to them in surround sound. I haven't got a digital surround sound. I used to have the old ProLogic one, the analogue one, but that system's gone from my house and I haven't now got a 5.5, 5.1 surround system. I wish I had, because I've got a feeling this one would have really I mean, been I- even more atmospheric.
0: I, when I was originally watching yeah. these back, um, I, I couldn't. I was watching them on actually on a standard definition um, set because uh, I didn't I didn't have access to my HD at that time. So now rewatching them again, it's sort of, it, in a sense it's. Um, and I said this in the previous episode. It's, it's almost like watching them again for the first time because now I'm seeing them right. in HD and widescreen and um, and with the digital audio. Uh, The the, the digital surround sound five point one, and it is they they do a great job with that. You know, so um, you know, kudos to that. And uh, you know, even speaking of sound um, on a technical note, you know that that scene where Clara is coming out of consciousness, and you hear she hears the you know the voices coming in and out, and they're getting louder. I think they did that very well. I really felt like. Like Teresa's you uh, you know you're in the point of view of the companion, and I think that illustrates it right there in that in that scene where you know we we the audience don't know what took place while she was unconscious, and then as she comes out of it, um, you know it it comes to light. So um...
1: I I can see that because I think sometimes when that five point one surround sound is 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 uh mixed down to just stereo, sometimes that central dialogue channel gets a little muffled. And I know there's quite a few fans, very strong fans of Matt Smith uh, as the Doctor, still sometimes feel that they miss some of his lines Mm -hmm. because of the quick delivery and so on. And that's not down to his thing. It may just be down to the fact that you almost need that centre channel for for the, uh, for the, the main voice work.
0: Yeah, I I just thought uh, I mean th- this is one of those stories that, that is very theatrical. You know, it it does, um, you know, it, it, you you know, it it's almost watching a mini movie. You know, it's it's. I th- that I guess my my be my only complaint is that it's it's kind of short. There, there's some a little they, they could have done a little bit more layering with the story, like going more into um, David Warner's character, maybe what he was there for, and and you know. Maybe there might have been some question of his you know the, the uh, you know maybe the captain could have um um cornered him and said you know." you knew this wasn't a mammoth, why did you bring this on board or, you know, there could have been another little plot going on there with some tension between him and, and the captain perhaps or...
1: Yeah, um, uh, yeah, who, who, who's in charge of this sub sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, one thing that slightly was a, a slight down with this, I mean, I know it was done for light relief at the end, but you know, with the, oh, uh, okay. I think Tara's mentioned mm-hmm. it, the the, the the TARDIS actually materializes at the South Pole. And he just says to the captain, uh, can we have a lift? I mean, uh, I remember saying it was would uh, probably take a submarine at least three to four weeks to sail from the North Pole to the South Pole, you know, un- undetected underwater. Yeah, okay. And anyway, you know, I-, I suppose they had to do it light because if they didn't do it light, the first thing that the captain would say is, well, we've got one thing out of this, we've got the doctor and his technology, we'll take that back, you know, behind the Iron Curtain and, and we'll, uh, you know, this uh, sonic screwdriver will be, to pieces and so on so i suppose they had to finish on a light note at yeah, that point yeah. i
2: mean obviously that sort it, of it, reminds me of that that reminds me of the end of uh the space pirates when they need to get back to the tardis and they're hitching a ride back with milo clancy and jamie uh says oh no we'd be better off walking and the doctor responds to him you might just have to <laughs>
0: Well, they obviously had to get the TARDIS out of the submarine because we had to get the Doctor and Clara trapped with the rest of the crew underwater. So they had to, you know, to write, They had to write some excuse on how the TARDIS is not unavailable to them. And, um, and and I guess you know they they wrote you know the, this um, aspect that you know as a self preservation preservation thing. The TARDIS relocated itself, and it, and at the end we learn where it's on the South Pole and there near the North Pole, and um, but. You know, even uh, as you said, Dave, the last
2: time the TARDIS did that was in the Crotons.
1: Yeah, you know, you know uh, everybody knows how old I am. What? Uh, I mean, why does he do what the Lone Ranger did? He used to whistle and his arse <laughs> would come running. I mean, Well, it I would can't make that. It actually What's, would make more sense
0: if if he used you know his magic wand or AKA the Sonic Screwdriver to to call the TARDIS back because. I mean, like you said, Dave, it would take too long for, um, even for the submarine to go, you know, you're talking about, you know, halfway around the world, literally. And plus, he would probably have to get permission from, I'm sure he couldn't just make that kind of decision on his own without getting some yeah. sort of, um, orders from Moscow. And, um, but, and also the other fact is it could only go as far as the Antarctica. Then where, you know, the Clara and the doctor would have to still travel to the South pole because, um, there's a continent down there. It's not like the North pole where you can just, you know, travel but you know, well, there's ice and whatever, but, um, you know,
2: there, oh, there's a landmass. A, we just have
1: this story. Yeah. We just have this story in the South pole where this, uh, this uh, crew got uh, caught in the pack ice. They sent an icebreaker to get that. That got stuck. They sent an icebreaker to get that. That got stuck. Then they had to send for for one from from Australia to come <laughs> to get them out. I mean, okay, we're anyway, getting stuck in the ice. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are indeed. Yeah, uh, but I well, suppose it is the middle of winter. That's the reason why they ended on a frivolous <laughs> note because realistically, uh, there was no way of ending. Uh, that and getting them, reunited them with the TARDIS in any sensible way, but um, good story nonetheless. Yeah, like I, I, like I said.
2: move on to feedback? Yeah, we will. Maybe because <laughs> I, I think we're cut, we've given our ratings yes. and now we're just we're, like we're, spinning we're, our wheels. We're
0: we're, we're beating a, a frozen dead horse. All right. Well, let's let's <laughs> let's do feedback. So before we get into the feedback, do you want to, this is sort of news? And at least for the show, it's news. Uh, we do have a new number for the Dr. Pachac public call box, and um, so um, scratch away. You know, I know you had written that phone number down. You know, or, um, by your phone, whatever you could uh, scratch a new number down. The new public public call box number for Pachac is area code two zero six three three seven four six nine nine. So again, that's two zero six three three seven Four six nine nine for the Parchak public call box, and that works like voicemail. You just call, leave a message, keep it short, maybe like three minutes or so at most, and um, you know try to include your name. It could be just your first name, or doesn't have to be your real name, just so that we can refer to you as so and so. You know, giving feedback, and um, we would like to hear what you have to say, either about Cold War or any Doctor Who-related subject that you care to talk about. We're all ears. So um, it's a chance to get on the show. Again, um, um, whatever carrier um, you're using, you know if there there may be tolls involved. We not char- we don't you know we're not charging anything for it. It's um it's a, it's it's a free service for us and for you. It's um only you know just be aware that you're calling the two zero six area code in the U S. So um but for many people so with long mobile long f-
2: distance charges may apply yes if you're using a landline
0: yeah. I mean many people today with mobile phones um, at least in the US it's not going to it's everyone it's and and even with um phone services that are over IP whatever I'm not going to get into all that you you know what you pay for and what you don't pay for <laughs> <laughs> We'll go into the email bag right now This is uh Kate um Kathy Kathy Bailey had written to us. Uh good to have the Pachock podcast back it was missed just I wanted to comment on Peter Capaldi uh, as the new Doctor. He really reminded me of Doc Brown from Back to the Future movies. I realize that the Doctor is always disoriented after regeneration, but Peter Capaldi's wild-eyed uh, look suggests a different kind of Doctor. Not sure what though. It, not sure what though. Is anyone else? I'm sorry. Is anyone else remaking remarking on this? The Christmas special was a little tedious, but it bears rewatching. I was glad to see the silence got explained. I will miss Matt Smith, who did a remarkable job. However, Day of the Doctor was fantastic. I enjoyed watching John Hurt um, gently take John Hurt's gently take uh, take young Doc. I'm sorry, I'm messing this up. <laughs> <laughs> I- I enjoy watching John I enjoyed Hurt gently watching
2: John Hurt gently take young doctors David and Matt down a peg or two.
0: Yes. Even annoying Rose gut was Gallifrey, great.
1: Gallifrey stands.
0: <laughs> the mixture of humor and seriousness was just right. Well, that's it. Happy New Year and all the best. Thank you, Kathy. Um I you know, it's too early to kind of judge what um Peter Capaldi's doctor is going to be like, you know, after every regeneration, you know, we only get a little sampling of what the new doctor is. And I think that's why, and I mentioned this in a previous show, that's why uh, way back when when John, Earth, John Nathan Turner um, had the regeneration of um, uh, the fifth doctor going to the sixth doctor, you know, we see a small scene with the sixth doctor. But then he had following that episode, the first f- full episode of the um of Colin Baker as the Sixth Doctor, so that the audience wouldn't have to wait a long time before seeing the new Doctor. Uh, unfortunately, I, you know, we can argue if that story was uh, was worth it or not, but uh, that's another matter. Uh, but yeah,
1: and I think she's quite right. Uh, I think she's implying here as well that this um, the Christmas special suffered a little bit because, mm-hmm. of course, the Day of the Doctor was so fantastic. I think. Uh, we we came off a, a tremendous high with that. Yes. yeah. Uh, and with all the other things that went around it, you know, adventure in Space and Time and The Five-ish Doctors, and really, I mean, uh, our cup was full already, um, and Christmas specials always have this um, this double job of uh, entertaining non-whoers, as it were, and satisfying whoers, and um, so it's always really uh, likely to to fail to some some part of the audience
0: and i
2: well, agree i believe that the day of the doctor was meant to appeal to a certain segment of the audience and time of the doctor to another segment absolutely and it yeah. seems to be that those that really liked one didn't like the mm. other as much and vice versa
0: yeah that's an interesting point right. yeah, yeah. And, and i too enjoyed john Hurt's. Uh, at least
2: from the people that i've spoken to
0: his uh, his take on on the younger doctors. I'm sorry if I messed that up during the in the email. I'm horrible at reading um reading out loud that way.
3: <laughs> what are you guys always pointing this <laughs> the Screwdrivers,
0: yeah.
1: Do you want me to have oh, got the other yeah, one? Yeah, p- please do if you like. Well, I'm not going to say I'm doing any better, but well, uh, this is from I'm uh, sure you Don- Donald Pretty-, Pretty John. Um, greetings. I just want to let you know that I think you're doing a great job in reviewing and keeping Dot Two fans informed. I have just found the Podshock iPod recordings and tried the last four productions, episode uh, 285 to 288, to see how you gentlemen were on the air and the quality of work you did. All I can say is that I'm impressed with it all. Enough so that I have joined as a supporting member. Well done. I am one of those new Dot Two fans that you mention every so often. I got my start a few years ago when I saw my first Doctor Who episode on BBC America by accident. It was The Impossible Astronaut in April 2011 with the start of season six. I love space and I grew up on the Apollo series. Yes, I'm old enough to have been aged three for Doctor Who in 1963. Anyway, I was hooked and I had seen more the next week. The big reason I never see uh, any Doctor Who before was twofold. I grew up in the USA when Doctor Who was finally shown on PBS in the mid-70s. I was in high school, and the last thing on my mind was TV. Oh, was it then, eh? <laughs> um, when, then after that, I joined the military, and that really never gave me any time to spend watching TV. Um, I was injured. I should think I would put the word sadly in there. I was sadly injured while on active duty, and now spend my time at home and have all the time in the world to watch TV. Uh, That has given me the opportunity to catch up on Doctor Who. I've seen all the new Doctor, I have it all on iTunes, and I am now starting to catch up with the classic Doctor. I have bought most of what is available on iTunes, bought some selected DVDs, but trying to get a flavour of all the Doctors. Anyway, I don't want to bore you, but I just wanted to let you know that I am enjoying listening to you gentlemen discussing the different aspects of Doctor Who. Sometimes it gives me a different perspective to an episode than I have thought about, and that I appreciate. It is a show that the fans care about deeply. I have found probably more than any other in history. Fond regards, uh, Donald. Thank you, Donald. That's a lovely uh, piece of feedback.
0: Indeed, and um, and thank you once again for becoming a supporting subscriber. It really does um, make a difference. So, um, much much thanks there, and. Um, It's great that you know it. It's for longtime fans. It's interesting now how um, you know seeing new people come into the fold, and um, it's really interesting. uh, Some of because some of some of these new people are are longtime friends of mine that you know twenty years ago may have I don't want to say frowned at me watching Doctor Who, but they just it just wasn't their cup of tea, or just what you know, and now they're getting all into the the older episodes and and reliving it and. it's 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 interesting to see you know and um but you know you know we're one big happy family now <laughs> yeah now, can, can
2: donald it... had mentioned the uh the episodes on itunes and i find that even though they've sort of reorganized at least in the u.s itunes store the doctor who section where there's now mm-hmm. some semblance of order where you yeah. can actually look by doctor uh it's still kind of uh a bit uh difficult to navigate if you want to get all the stories you can't really just buy all the seasons you kind of have to do it watch per story carefully cuz yeah. you'll end up paying so, paying for some stories twice if you do it that way because of the way they've grouped some of the uh the episodes
0: and it's by no means yeah. complete you know, there's yeah. lot, there's yeah. lot of misunderstanding. So that may have to do
2: with rights
0: issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, uh, can I also mention to Donald if he is, uh, he says he's uh, been listening to the last uh, episodes two eight five to two eight eight. Can I just mention to him that um, if he's got the PodShock on the iTunes feed, there's also a secondary uh, iTunes feed for PodShock PodShock Live. There's um, forty nine episodes on PodShock Live feed, and th- that goes way back. It's I think the first one is episode seventy three, uh, PodShock. Uh, uh, where we were talking about uh, Smith & Jones Reviewed. Uh, so that's where Martha Jones comes in uh, into Doctor Who, so uh, with uh, David Tennant. So the, there's quite a few of the ones where we were discussing the actual series as live events. Some of those got ported across to the main Podshock uh, feed, but I think quite a few others are just only available on the, uh, the secondary live feed
0: yeah there was um the, the, I, I can't remember the exact circumstance but there was a a good season if you will or a good or, or like one one series there which the live reviews were were just live there and um and and but otherwise they um they, they usually get edited and um put onto the main feed and um you know glossed up a bit you know in other words the uh there were a section of roar episodes that were, that were just roar live shows that you can catch on that feed and and you'll see uh, right. the, the numbers are are you know you'll you'll know when if there's a gap of episodes from the main feed that are missing those are, are those were live live only ones right Graham Sheridan who's a, a longtime uh participant here on Dr Hupachak, he's um, uh, often will co-host with us and he's been a longtime contributor uh he's brought back the Germany report he used to do these little recorded segments and um he's as as the name implies, he's located in Germany, so he'll give a um, perspective of what's going on in Germany. And he's unable to join us because of his work schedule, but he did go through the effort of giving a holiday greeting um, a couple episodes ago. And this is uh, his uh, latest Germany report on, uh, so you can get the ins and out of what Doctor Who's like in the state in the in the country of Germany.
4: And I seem to be back. Hmm. Germany Ports is resurrected. Basically, because there's just too much not to say. Now it's me, Graham Sheridan, again. Sat out here in the land of beer and bratwurst. Some of you guys might know it. And there's was quite a bit of a, I won't say an amazing, but a weird turn up for the books. The fact that, well, sci-fi lost its license to show Doctor Who here in Germany. And they were only showing the first and second series. Then, about a year after transmission, series five. Hmm. But they didn't end up on sci-fi. No. This may sound weird, but... Fox, yes, that Fox we know for mucking up things with a TV movie. Here in Germany, bought the rights to show Doctor Who on the Fox Channel, which is part of the Sky package. It costs about fourteen euros extra on top of what you normally have if you've got cable here in Germany. Um, not sure how much extra it'll be there, or if it's part of the package. But um, if you're on the telecom receivers or any other digital uh, receivers that are going over the Internet like I have, then it's an extra 14 euros, well, 15 after tax, and uh, well, it's part of the Sky basic package. Now, what basically this means is instead of being completely um, <clears throat> about it, they've been rather brilliant. Now that still means they've gone back and they also purchased the rights for all the other series so they can show them. But it also did mean in the end that finally series three and series four got shown here in Germany in German. And then they went back, showed series five, six, and as of towards the end of last year, Series 7, which all tied up nicely because they went into mega show mode and showed every episode from the second part of 7B and culminated the night with the day of the Doctor, a simulcast, which is sort of Blows your mind, because we're not used to getting things here at the same time. Now, okay, at the same time, in the cinemas, and quite a fair few of them at the end, it started off with about 12, 13 cinemas. We got The Day of the Doctor in 3D, but none were anywhere near me. At least, it took take me at least an hour, hour and a half, to at least get to any of them. And, um... not exactly in places where parking was easy or anything like that. So eventually, yes, Hanover, which is nearest to me, which is an hour, say three quarters, an hour away. um, They were going to show it, but one had to work. Yes. Poo. Never mind. But therefore, it being shown on the Fox channel at the same time means I was able to get it recorded. I don't have Fox channel myself. No, I came to thought, so if that's what Day of Doctor, maybe I'll get the Christmas special. Day and date. And with five minutes later than UK's shown time, it was also simulcasts. So I'm kind of hoping this sort of keeps up for the next year and see how that all happens. And it also does mean that the remaining series that went on DVDs, that's three and four, got to a release, even though they're at an absolute astronomical price of uh, 50 euros for um, the set. Uh, when you're looking at the series one uh, being around about 15 euros at the moment and uh, series two at the same price, you have to realise that a standard price is no more than 30 to 35 euros so mm, hoping the price will come down there though the surprise was also that the DVD today of the Doctor did get released, it got released on the 20th December, just gone and as I was shopping a couple of days later I got the shock of my life as my local supermarket which is known for getting everything on time no it's not it's actually not known for getting anything on time actually had a copy on time so it's a bit of a fantastic development at least for fans over here now the plus side to this as well of course uh, you guys get things on itunes and eventually so did we and it did include the the same 50th anniversary package uh, which means that uh, adventures in space and time is available here in germany but unfortunately only through iTunes at the moment Because it's not being shown on any of the German cha- uh, channels um, I'm wondering if Fox might actually buy the rights to that Let's wait and see um, But otherwise Yes, Day of Doctor, review I suppose Brilliant Can you actually find a fault in it? Um, well yes, the first time I watched it through I found it a confusing Not confusing so much as... as one plot seemed to be excess to the other and what actually did the thing with the zygons actually bring? well on second viewing, in German and everything being clear on audio it brought a lot it meant that it showed the doctor all three of them, the way that uh, he could save Gallifrey, brilliant top. Fantastic. So... Time of the Doctor. Hmm... Time of the Doctor. Now everybody's complaining about this one. And I mean not in any small fashion. But me? <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. Everybody who's, I've heard on podcasts have been slating it. I've had very few positive reviews. For those who did positive review it out there, who actually took the time to sit down switch off the reviewer's mind and just let it, uh, well, just go over you as if it was uh, a wave. You were sat on a beach, a nice beach, warm water, just waving over you, just let it go over you like that. Probably the best way to actually enjoy Doctor Who at the moment. And you'll probably pick up a lot more than you do if you sat there trying to concentrate the whole time because that's exactly how I watched it. Now, the thing was, I watched it in German and I heard one of the main points, being that the 5.1 surround sound mix that most people got uh, transmitted um, basically muddied up the sound. So on first watching, you had to watch it a second time and a third time and possibly a fourth time. And yes, Dave, you can understand it the first time round if the sound is nice and clear. Everything's quite obvious and everything has its... It's linear line. Uh I so have to say though, I rather did rather like the idea of a wooden cyberman. hmm <laughs> mm Yes, well <clears throat> Yes <sighs> Was that a sort of stubborn Pinocchio? I wonder. So as far as I was concerned, points out of five for that. Um yeah, it's it's Four and three quarters. It was almost perfect, even though a lot of you decided it was absolutely bloody awful. It was bloomin' brilliant. You obviously concentrating too much, and... Oh, but that's only my opinion. Like what you like about it. It seems to be a might episode, stroke Vegemite episode. It's that you either love it, or you hate it. So, that's enough waffling from me. Um. Yeah, and you're back to Lewis. And, well, a rough guess, I would say Dave's definitely there. And whoever has turned up for the recording. Hello. Oh, no. <clears throat> Bye-bye for now.
0: And thank you, Graham. Thank um, you, Graham. It's good to hear Cheers. you back. Yeah, good to hear back from you. <laughs> good to hear from you once again. Happy New Year as well. I want to thank you both, Terras and um, Dave, for um, for this episode. It's been a grand episode. I'm uh, um, thankfully it's not too cold, uh, as even though we're reviewing the Cold War uh, last week in in our area here in in the New York area, it was rather cold, but uh, it was kind of mild, kind of foggy today, but um, hopefully, um, it's. We don't know what's yet to come. We still have uh, the bulk of winter in front of us. And Dave, I know you are bouncing back from a cold yourself, so I'm hoping you're feeling better. And Thank you very much. I am indeed. That's great. Having your own cold war. <laughs> yes, he definitely has. Indeed, that's a, a good. Yeah, yeah, Dave's our own ice warrior. So and you can catch more of Dave along with uh, Ian on the Cultum Collective, which is um, it's which speaking of live shows, they record live every Sunday at 2 p.m. on talk Shoe. You could catch the live show or catch the recorded episodes on um, on iTunes or your favorite um, podcast catcher. Uh, the talk shoe ID number for Cultum Collective,
1: Dave, is 54821. Thank you
0: Thanks again, and we'll come back next time. And I guess we'll be um, reviewing—was it Hyde? Is the next episode?
1: No, it's Jekyll. It's Jekyll. It's
0: Jekyll. (laughs) Very funny. All right. Well, until then, cheers, everyone.
1: Cheers, bye all.
0: been listening to Dr. Who Chok, presented to you by the fan run Dr. Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Dr. Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Dr. Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the PodChock Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts.
5: What is that, gas? Could be gas. Ah. It never rains, but it pours.
3: We were